This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Thursday, May 11th. Sunny this morning, a mixture of sun and cloud through the afternoon, a very pleasant high of 24 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, the Leafs stave off elimination in a remarkable game. Number two, mayoral hopefuls spar in a mostly ignored debate. It was up against the game. Number three, Toronto soccer fans are barred from a game in Montreal. Number four, the gay village serial killer was judged a low risk to reoffend before his first murder. And number five, Toronto mayoral candidate will address the TikTok uproar over a video he made on More in the Morning at 7.05 a.m. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. This is More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Ten seconds left. Barkov working back through center. Six, five, four, into the corner. Swallow it up, Morgan, he does. The game is over. The game is over, but it's not over. (laughs) Oh, fraptious joy. Toronto wakes up this morning and reminds itself that the Leafs are still in. And not only that, but I didn't see the whole game. We were watching something, and then we dropped into the game about 10 minutes in, and it just took a couple of minutes to my untrained eye, but still to think, okay, these guys are totally fighting. I mean, one of the things I'm used to in lacrosse is that as the game continues, they get more and more chirpy and more and more physical, and then they start wailing on each other with sticks. But it just, it's an intensity where you know that the teams are really giving it up. And I recognize that level of engagement and committedness and whatever other word you might want to use within the first 10 minutes of last night's game. So I think is uh, Joe Cristiano, is Matt Cause going to join us this morning? He is at 720. 720 this morning. So I'll let Matt cause do the analysis and i don't know necessarily that he needs to uh eat crow or anything but matt cause on monday morning after sunday night's game and then again yesterday morning in anticipation of last night's game was okay that's it i think we're done here and we don't want to be defeatist in all of this but at the same time you don't want to be too much of a homer um in over anticipating that, oh, yeah, we can turn this around. It's all going to be fine. It's only been since 1967. It's always going to get better. However, last night, there was a very different team on the ice, a very different level of uh, commitment. And clearly, they were not prepared to hit the golf links this morning after last night's game. So not only that, but they come home to Toronto now. And that's just good for business. That's... You know, that's probably millions of dollars of extra servers, of beers that are going to be served, of, frankly, police overtime. I realize that's on the public ticket, but it means that there's more money running around the downtown of this town. Do we have some audio uh, to share here, Nick Marano, just to uh, encapsulate the excitement? One game at a time, we got it, at least in seven. We'll go all the way to the cup, we got it. I have a good feeling that we're going to come back. 
We're gonna come back and we're gonna win it. We're going for the cup. Florida, you're done! Game seven! Woo! All right, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but uh, like I said, let's not be all defeatist either. And of note, I don't know necessarily if it amounts to a Cinderella story, but uh, Joseph Wall stopping 24 shots in his very first playoff start. There were goals by Mitch Marner and William Nylander, and uh, the Maple Leafs stave off elimination and come home for one more game, which is tomorrow. Yes? All right. I mean, what better way to spend a Friday night in Toronto watching a playoff hockey game and at home? It, it's just going to be amazing in the city tomorrow. And I can actually stay up and watch the game because I don't have to get up and do the show in the morning. See, that's the problem. I was watching last night and I thought, this is good. This is great. This is happening. This is okay. These guys, this is exciting. I got to go to bed because, you know, it's up at two on at five. So if I stay up late, I've, uh, I've reached a certain stage of my life where if I stay up too late, the whole next day is a complete and utter train wreck. Speaking of sports, need to know more, but I think we're being joined. Actually, it's, we're going to cover a few sports stories in depth on the show this morning. Going to be joined by a TSN reporter from Montreal to talk about how things got pretty ugly between fans at a Toronto FC game against Montreal. And so now Montreal has announced the Toronto fans will not be welcome at the game in Montreal. I'm not sure how they're going to enforce that. Maybe we'll find out more when we talk with that TSN reporter. It was kind of hard to see what was going on. I mean, it's just sort of the kind of stuff you expect in the stands at a British soccer game. Uh, but it was happening in Toronto. But the footage I was watching on CTV last night was deliberately blurred so that you couldn't identify anybody, but it was also hard to see what was happening. And, you know, was it a couple of troublemakers? Was it generalized trouble in the stands? Whatever it was, Toronto fans, however they may be identified, not welcome to go to the game in Montreal. And then last night, there was a mayor's candidates debate. And only in Toronto would anybody think, and I don't know, I guess they couldn't have predicted this, but honestly, um, a debate between would-be mayors against a Stanley Cup second round final game. I mean, who was paying attention? You would have to be absolutely the most addicted, pointy-headed political person to have been tuned into that last night. However, we'll find out on the roundtable. You know, I mean, City Councilor Shelley Carroll is here at 7.45 on round one. Maybe she turned off the game. I have a hard time believing she would because she's a committed sports fan. But uh, five candidates facing off last night in the very first debate. Um, most of the prominent candidates stayed away. Josh Matlow missing, Olivia Chow missing, Anna Bailao not attending. Uh, Mark Saunders was there along with Anthony Fury, Anthony Perusa, Mitzi Hunter, and Brad Bradford. And incidentally, Brad Bradford is going to be in our studios this morning. Kind of an interesting dilemma, which is why, you know, it's one of those debatables that's definitely, definitely going to be on the agenda this morning on the morning brief at 6.20 and the round tables at 7.45, 8.45. Brad Bradford pulled some video off of TikTok in which women were talking about safety on the TTC. And he included it in a video package that he prepared to talk about why he's making safety in Toronto and safety on the TTC a priority. And now people are complaining. And 
I'm of two minds about this. It's yet another. I've had, we've had a lot of debates this week where I, I can appreciate both sides of the argument. But here's the thing. If you put something out there on Twitter, you're kind of, it's kind of like talking out loud on a street corner. You're kind of surrendering whatever control you might have over that content. However, turn it on its head. Imagine you are one of those content providers on TikTok who like sings a song or something like that. And next thing you know, somebody is showing that on a TV show and selling advertising and they're getting it for free. So yeah, there are rights issues, but at the same time, I really, I, if you want to complain about safety in the city of Toronto and then a mayoral candidate wants to take that cause up, I don't know what your grief is. Okay, let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, good morning. It's shaping up to be a beautiful day with the warm temperatures and of course, the Leafs avoiding the sweep last night. Yeah, and what a remarkable team turned out on the ice last night. It was a pretty uh, raucous game, but the most important aspect of it is the Toronto Leafs fans were not disappointed. They managed to stave off elimination, and the next game is tomorrow night in Toronto, which has, you know, some pretty major implications just mm -hmm. in terms of the people who are going to gather in the downtown, the amount of people who are going to be hired to serve them pints of beer, <laughs> and the level of excitement that is going to reign in this town. Yeah, happening on a Friday as well. So you can imagine if they do win this one, it'll be quite the kickoff to the weekend. And John, turning to this now, a serial killer, Bruce MacArthur, was reportedly deemed low risk before he started killing. Yeah, this is pretty disturbing stuff. Wendy Gillis reporting in the Toronto Star after a four-year battle through access to information. They got their hands on a parole report for the serial killer who plagued the gay village. And what they found was in 2001, he was convicted. Uh, actually, the attack happened in 2001. He was convicted in 2003, but he hit a guy over the head with a lead pipe. Mm. Ultimately, he was judged to be, as you said, a low risk to reoffend, And that... Uh, you know, assessment came mm -hmm. two years before he would begin a serial killing spree that would leave eight men dead. Mm. Wow. Okay. Fascinating stuff. And uh, turning to this now, a report says that swim programs at several Toronto elementary and high schools are in jeopardy. Yeah, apparently this is because of uh, some sort of a paperwork mix-up or a hiring error, but I'm a huge fan of swim lessons. They make a great difference, not only in the amount of pleasure that a young person is going to have in their life, but in their safety. It could be life and death. I learned at the Boys and Girls Club, but mm -hmm. owing to this screw-up, there are going to be programs that are simply not going to happen. Currently, 26 elementary schools in Toronto and 39 secondary schools have swim programs, and the problem now is that a lot of the instructors are going to have to attend to multiple schools, mm. so there are going to be fewer classes. Yeah, this is affecting uh, my son's school. They're fortunate enough to have a, a swimming pool, and he started competing this year, and he loves it. So, mm. yeah, we're, we're certainly uh, dealing th with this one and watching it closely. All right, next up, a city council has voted to permit multiplexes in all Toronto neighbourhoods. This is going to be a pretty significant change in our city because what will probably happen now is single-family homes, and the city is zoned currently to preserve single-family homes in about 70% of its areas. Single-family homes could be demolished and then replaced with a duplex, a quadruplex, a sixplex, a four-story building, three-story building. All this came to council yesterday, and in a fairly um, not overwhelming vote, but a sizable vote, it was approved. And it's a very, very significant change to the way people are going to live in our town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Toronto has a pretty ambitious goal of building more housing by 2031, so we'll see if uh, this adds to the help 
Uh, and we always end with something very interesting, uh, John. This is the story behind why 12 Toronto streetcar tickets were found in the Titanic wreckage. It's always been a bit of a mystery, but now the whole thing has been tracked down. We recently observed the 101st anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. And it turns out those streetcar tickets were found in the wallet of Major Arthur Poochin. He was a guy who used to do business in Europe, got on the Titanic to come home to Toronto. He was getting ready for bed. He felt the ship shudder, put on a coat, went upstairs. Not known if he left his wallet behind in his room or if it fell out while he was getting into a boat. Uh, but one of the reasons why he, as a man was able to get into a life raft was mm. because he belonged to the Toronto Yacht Club. So they oh. figured he'd be an asset if he was in one of the lifeboats. Wow, how amazing that those uh, Toronto uh, streetcar <laughs> tickets were still preserved after all these years and it was illegible. All right, uh, John Moore, always a pleasure talking to you. Have a great show and we'll chat again tomorrow. Take care. Jennifer Sean over at CP24. I always remember there's been a running gag for years about how Toronto newspapers would cover the sinking of the Titanic. And of course they did, but today's versions of those newspapers and the Toronto Sun would be Titanic sinks, calamity, grand loss of life. The Toronto Star would be Titanic sinks, four Torontonians lost. And... The Globe and Mail would be Titanic sinks, billions in uninsured cargo lost. Oh. <laughs> 5.23 is the time. Yesterday morning, uh, I keep wanting to say Mitzi Gaynor, which would be interesting if Mitzi Gaynor was running for mayor of Toronto. Mitzi Hunter was on our show, and she vowed that she would rise in the house at Queen's Park and give a farewell speech after submitting her resignation, which indeed she did do. All I want to say to all of you is thank you. Stay tuned. The best is yet to come. And there were a lot of people with somewhat jaundiced opinions yesterday about Mitzi Hunter. Uh, Mark Warner, in particular, on round one, said, yeah, she probably has her eyes on another job, and she got bored at Queen's Park. Who wants to be at Queen's Park anyway? So she was getting out of Queen's Park. She would take a seven-week run at the Merrillty. Uh, with no intention of actually winning, and then move on to something else. But I did hear from a few sources who are fairly close to Mitzi Hunter, and they said, listen, she's serious about this. She has no other prospects at the moment, and she is in it to win. And speaking of mayoral candidates, Brad Bradford's going to be here at 7.05 this morning to address this TikTok issue. And it, I just I find it fascinating how in our new digital age, we keep on coming up with dilemmas because digital technology is not the same as other technologies. Now, you know, in the old days, if Brad Bradford had issued a pamphlet with a photograph of a woman who had complained about security, but he never called her and asked her if he could use the photograph, everybody would complain. But is it the same thing if he merely takes some video off of a TikTok feed where somebody's complaining about public security and says, here's an example of what's wrong with our town. Here's what I'm going to do to fix it. Now, out of consideration, yeah, he probably should have called the person. But I see this as an eminently debatable dilemma, and it's why we will debate it today. And here's the thing, John. 
I was able to reach out to that TikTok user immediately just Googling her name. So it wasn't really hard to track her down. And she got yeah. back to me right away. But you know what? Brad Bradford's, what, 34, 35 years old? So these days, you know, he's not a kid. But, for example, in universities increasingly, uh, as part of the papers they submit, a lot of students are stealing material from elsewhere. And in the old days, that was absolutely, it was practically criminal. And nowadays, they don't see anything wrong with it. They say, well, Wikipedia is for free. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's there for the asking. Uh, all kinds of other stuff is available on the Internet, which is free and available to me. Uh, they do not have the same perspective on rights holding that we would have had 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. The controversy is that he made a video, and that is Brad Bradford, incidentally, the uh, mayoral candidate. And in it, he featured video that some women had posted on TikTok. And, you know, I don't think the women are going to sue, so it's not yet a legal dilemma. But one of these days, I guess, we'll arrive at a conclusion as to what is proprietary content in social media. I mean, when I post something, well, when most people post something on social media, you actually hope that somebody's going to share it. Now, I don't necessarily want, you know, a mayoral candidate to capture one of my tweets and then pretend that I'm endorsing them. But, you know, if I'm tweeting about a city issue and a mayoral candidate highlights that or uses it in a video, uh, again, without suggesting that I am endorsing them, then I'm fine with that because it's highlighting the issue itself. And hey, it's free publicity. So Toronto City Council met yesterday and boy, was there a lot of stuff to discuss. Everyone, I mean, City Council only meets for three days usually. And that only happens, Shelly Carroll will be able to explain this at uh, 745 because she's on the round table, but I think it's only like every six weeks that they'll meet. And the rest of the time they're doing constituency service and they're getting ready for the next council meeting. Um, but one of the significant things that happened yesterday was by a vote of 18 to 7, the city has approved a new policy effectively on allowing multiplex housing pretty well anywhere in the city. Previously, about 70% of Toronto was zoned residential land that was restricted to single-family homes. And in a city where we simply do not have enough housing and where we are increasingly running out of land, I mean, I remember when I got here, the number of um, parking lots, surface parking lots that we had in town, and pretty well all of those have been consumed by housing developments. And then they put parking in underground, so ultimately you end up with more parking than you had previously. Um, but you'll go up, you know, I'll always notice this when I'm on Bathurst Street in particular, and you're right in the city's core of one of the, you know, fastest growing cities in North America. And there are still these two-story single-family homes. And while I would hate to see them all wiped out because there's a degree of heritage involved there, if we could start taking away single-family homes and putting in homes that can house maybe four families, then it is going to make a very, very significant difference in our town. And yeah, that probably, you know, I'm in a semi-detached house and I often wonder if one day some developer is going to knock on our door and the door of our next door 
neighbors, Matt and Addie, and say, listen, I'm ready to buy you both out. Because they would demolish a house that has a fairly significant footprint because it's two single-family homes that are semi-detached and either replace it with four townhouses or build a multiplex. So this is a pretty significant change in urban planning. It was at the urging of the city's chief urban planner. It's part of a program where Toronto's future is mapped out in a policy that effectively reaches from here to 2040. And that is everything from what transit's going to look like, how many condos we're going to have, how many multiplexes, all of that stuff. But like I said, fairly significant stuff. And if you come from another city that already has multiplex housing, and I'll always reference Montreal, you know those famous places, right? They're three stories high and they're semi-detached. So there are six apartments which are big enough to raise a family in. And they have those famous stairs that spiral on the outside. Something I've never quite understood, like in the snowiest city in Canada, we have outdoor stairs. But still, um, multiplexes have always been the way to go. So imagine how many more families and couples and individuals can live on a street where it is nothing but sixplexes as opposed to single family homes. Something I'm going to bang the drum about today and... I'll task Joe Cristiano with trying to learn more about this between now and nine o'clock. But swim programs at eight Toronto elementary schools and 12 high schools are in jeopardy after the Toronto District School Board miscalculated the number of aquatic instructors it was going to need this fall. Now, I don't know if this was the trustees who did this or somebody who works for the board, but anyway, you slice it. You guys don't have that much to manage, do you? I mean, this is why... So many of our pundits have been calling for school boards to be abolished. You know, let's just have designated managers who can run one school jurisdiction or another and they answer to the education department. But somebody miscalculated the number of aquatic instructors it would need this coming fall. So now we're going to have instructors going from one school to another and we're going to have to start chopping programs. And I am a huge believer in swimming lessons. I mean, for the basic necessity of making things safer, I am always amazed at the number of people who don't know how to swim, then they get into trouble, they're not wearing a life jacket, and they die. Not only that, but you teach kids to swim, and then maybe you raise a few more you know, swimming athletes and uh, Canadian Olympians. So let's figure this one out. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.